0: Who's enjoying this morning so far? Good. It's been fun, hasn't it? And I think Easter should be about fun because it's about life, isn't it? It's about Jesus coming back to life. We're really excited to be here um, celebrating it together this morning. So well done. Thanks for brilliant queuing up. Makes yourself nice and comfortable. Um, I'm Ruth and um, I'm part of the leadership team here and I'm just going to share a little bit um, with you this morning about Easter. So um, as you know, it's all about Jesus come back to life. In the beginning, can you remember when we were all together and we were imagining that we were in a room and we were like Jesus' followers 2,000 years ago, and Jesus suddenly just appeared in the room? Amazing. He said, peace be with you, but then he also said some other things. So we're going to go on and just have a look, little look about what, what Jesus did and what he said to his disciples in that room. Okay. The, the verse that follows what we, uh, what we, what we Im- imagined is this. Just as the Father sent me, I'm now sending you. Then, taking a deep breath, he blew on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. I send you to preach the forgiveness of sins. Okay, we're going to come back to that in a minute. Right, on my next slide. Oh, I've got the Sorry, sorry Joe. I said I was going to click and I forgot. Here we go. Hey, right. Have a look. Can you see it down here? There's an odd one out. Who can tell me what is the odd one out on my slide? Give you a few minutes. Have a look. Which one do you reckon? The baby. You reckon the baby? Anyone else reckon anything else? What do you reckon? What well, over here, Miliana, what do you reckon? The food. You reckon the food. What do you think? Dragonfly. Dragonfly. Any other offers? What do you think, Sarah? The tree. The tree, okay. Anyone else? Hannah, did you have a different one, Hannah? The daffodil. The daffodil, wow. I have puzzled you, haven't I? Do you know what? Emiliana, you were right. It's the food. Why do you think it's the food? That's the odd one out. Because each other one is a living thing. Brilliant. Well done. All the other things are alive. That's right. <laughs> and um, so we've got the tree. It's alive. And the chick's just been born. And we've got, but the fruit. No, it's just about to be eaten, isn't it? So it's very dead at that point. Okay, so there are lots of characteristics um, of things that living things do. What do they do? They. Anyone know? What does a living thing do? What does it do? Eat. It eats. What else does it do, Hannah. Drinks, yep, so you can think of plants as well, they eat and drink, don't they?
1: Breathe.
0: Breathe. Yep, Peter? Live. Yes, live. What do we mean by living? What do they do when they live? They grow. Grow, brilliant, well done. I think you might have all, nearly all of them, let me see. Oh, move, grow, sorry, these are tiny, aren't they? Reproduce, eat, process your food, which you can have a think about what that means. Uh, <laughs> breathe. And you're aware and you respond to your surroundings. Now, Jesus was very dead, wasn't he? He was, very, he was killed very cruelly and very nastily. Three days later, he, he rose from the dead and he demonstrated all those different things, proving that he's alive in different contexts. Now, the context that we're talking about, he specifically did one of them. Did anyone notice in my verse that I put up right at the beginning, I said there's something that he did that really demonstrates he must have been alive. I've got somebody right at the back. I'll come back in a minute, Peter. What did he do?
1: Breathe. He breathed. Well
0: done. You're really paying attention. He breathed. He breathed on them. He didn't have any breath just a few hours before he breathed on his disciples, didn't he? I think mean, that's on my next one, is it? Oh, it says he took a deep breath. you could take a deep breath. And then he breathed on the people. He didn't have the ability to do that, as I said, even hours before. He demonstrated that he was alive in this context by doing that. Now, do you know what? Something I really like about this is actually the word that's used, the Greek word that's used for breath in that context is the same one that's used when God breathed into Adam in the beginning. So I've quoted up there, then the Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground. He breathed the breath of life into the man's nostrils and the man became a living person. That breath that Jesus was breathing into his disciples was the same life-giving breath. Okay, so I love the fact that what Jesus is saying is I'm alive, I've got a resurrection life and I'm breathing it onto you. You get to experience that life. Now, some of you might have noticed the bubbles this morning. I hope they weren't too much of a distraction. That is partly connected as I was thinking. Bubbles kind of and incorporate, they expand to contain our breath, don't they? And they're a symbol of life and that's So I wanted to have a bit of those in our our worship. Jesus always said he came to give us life, didn't he? So when we receive that breath from Jesus, we become new. We become a new creation. Okay. Now, um, I've put at the bottom about the Holy Spirit at Pentecost as well. It does foreshadow that. My children said to me, Mummy, you can't show Narnia again. <laughs> because basically, that's what I show. And I, go, I cannot find a better example of what Jesus did than the bit in the Narnia film, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, where Aslan has come back to life and he flies with the two children, the two girls, into the castle, the witch's palace, where they're all statues and you can see what happens because I'm going to try and play it next. Still good though, isn't it? Yeah. So those statues had been, um, and, and they were obviously dead in the castle. And as just comes, he breathes life on them. Okay. Wow. That's what Jesus did. He was breathing life on the disciples. They were expecting. The disciples were expecting that he was alive. He was, he was dead. They weren't expecting to find him alive. But Jesus appeared fully alive breathing on his disciples. There is hope. So just to kind of apply this a little bit, there might be areas in our own lives that we're finding that actually they're a bit dead, that we're struggling with, where we might feel a bit lost, a bit hopeless, might be relational issues or whatever. Just picture that and now picture Jesus breathing over that area of your life, just like Aslan was just breathing over those statues declare life over yourself so um, a practical way we get to go and take this life out jesus said he was sending us to bring life and a practical way that we can bring life is through our words isn't it so we declare life over ourselves we can receive that breath of life from jesus for ourselves but then we can go into all our different contexts and we can partner with god and declare life through what we say so in Ezekiel, he was told, he looked at a whole valley of bones and God said to him, prophesy to these bones and say to them, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. And then it says in Proverbs, your words are so powerful that they will kill or give life. So we get to, if things are tough at school, we get to declare that there's a God of the impossible and he'll turn the situation around. We can know and declare that there's a way through. If there's issues with our finances, we can prophesy wealth. He's able to do abundantly more than all we can ask or imagine. And our words can change the atmosphere around us, even when things seem hopeless. So declare the opposite and watch what God does. Words of positivity and hope bring life, no matter what context they're in. It might just be encouraging someone you meet as you're walking down the road or the lady at the till on Tesco's. We are sent with Jesus' life to declare life wherever we go. It's exciting, isn't it? He sends us and he equips us in that way. He goes on to say, I send you to preach the forgiveness of sins. Okay, so I thought it must be quite important, the forgiveness and forgiveness, if Jesus is saying that to straight to the disciples, straight after he came back from the dead. You know, he's saying, I send you with this life and I send you to preach forgiveness. Okay, we are sent to preach the gospel. That's essentially what he's saying. This is a gospel of life. This is good news we get to tell people about. Forgiveness brings life, unforgiveness leads to completely the opposite, doesn't it? It leads to hurt, it leads to pain, it leads to shame, it leads to rejection, ultimately death. We are sent both to model forgiveness and live in, in, live in unity with each other and to preach the gospel of forgiveness and repentance, which leads to life in all its fullness. So we get access to this resurrection life because of the death of Jesus once and for all. Jesus' death once and for all means that our sins are forgiven and we are forgiven once and for all. Okay? So, I've got an illustration here about the, uh, the effect of uh, unforgiveness sometimes. So if somebody, this is like, this is like someone's heart, if you uh, get hurt, if someone says something nasty to you or if something horrible happens and you start to feel really, you get a bit hurt and you feel the pain and the shame, it's almost a bit like your heart gets a bit wrinkled when you start to forgive that person. It begins the healing process, doesn't it? And the heart starts to get a bit unwrinkled. Right, I think, actually, Nigel, can you? Do you think you can flatten that out any more for me? Well done, just trying pretty hard. You got all the wrinkles out for me not quite you see it is actually sometimes when people hurt us those um pain that can stay can't it in our heart even then even if we try and push it away and do the best we can actually what we need to do is we need to ask Jesus for a new heart okay and he can come and give us a completely clean heart so even though we've tried really hard (laughs) we've done to get rid of wrinkles, they're still there, but Jesus' life comes and gives us a new heart so we're able to forgive um, other people. There was, a, there was a lady, I don't know if many of you might have heard of her, she was called Corey Ten Boom. And she had a really awful experience. She was part of a, um, she was alive when the Jews um, were rounded up by the Germans and put into concentration camps during the Second World War. And she saw some really, really awful things happen to both her and her family and friends. Um, She, I've just watched a little bit of a YouTube video. There's lots of, if you want to have a look, from her. And she was kept in the concentration camp. After, when she came out of the concentration camp, she met with one of the guards who had done all these awful, horrible things to her and her family. But he had become a Christian. He had received the forgiveness of God for all of his um, wrongs and all the things he'd done wrong. And he came to her and he said to her, will you forgive me? And she said in that moment, no. She said, I can't. She saw the faces of all the people that he'd hurt. And she said, I just couldn't. And God showed me a verse about his love in the Bible. And she realized that she couldn't not forgive. Because she was, if she didn't forgive, all she was left was feeling hatred towards him. And she concludes, can you forgive? No, I can't either. But he can. So we might not have such dramatic stories about unforgiveness and needing to forgive others. But as we are meticulous about forgiving others, about preaching the gospel of forgiveness, we bring life into our our different contexts that we're in. So important, isn't it, to forgive Um, others as well, no matter what. And this is one of the quotes that she said, Forgiveness is the key that unlocks the door of resentment and the handcuffs of hatred. It's a power that breaks the chains of bitterness and the shackles of selfishness. It brings life. Stops us from being caught up in that hurt and that pain. Forgiveness brings life. Okay. I reckon that's why Jesus mentioned it. Because of what Jesus has done, we get access to the life that God planned for us from the beginning. Life in complete union with Him and each other. Do you remember the Greek word that Jesus, that's used in the Bible to describe Jesus' breath? Do you remember where else it was used in the Bible? Can you remember? When's the only other time it was used? That's here, thanks, Jan. Right at the back of the beginning, when God breathed into Adam. That was when that, uh, that same word was used then. So there's a lovely circle going on here, isn't there? The the life that we were intended to have right from the beginning. Breathing to Adam is now breathing to us from Jesus because of what Jesus did on the cross, because he came back to life, because he took our sins. Um, We now get to enjoy that resurrection life. Isn't that cool? We get to give that life and we get to bring that life to others through our words, the way we live in unity, forgiving each other, preaching a message of forgiveness to a world that really needs to hear it. It's good news, this gospel. We get to, even if we're just, as I say, just speaking words of life, we make a difference in our context as we get opportunities to share the gospel like Debbie did on Friday. It's another um, amazing way of seeing God's gospel and of life come to life around us. And we believe it's going to happen more and more. So, um, Pete, we're going to pray for each other, I think.
1: Just, um, we've had quite a lot going on, haven't we? Just want us to just take a moment with the Holy Spirit and um, just think about what he wants to say to you. I was just struck by the image of the heart that Ruth was just sharing there, that it might be that, Holy Spirit wants to help you to live from your new heart. Perhaps there's been times where you felt like you've been misunderstood or there's been disappointment or you felt hurt. And um, Holy Spirit just loves to come and just to breathe on us afresh, remind us of our identity, that we're in Him. Holy Spirit I just invite you just to come just in this moment of quiet all of us together from the youngest to the oldest Holy Spirit I thank you that you're so personal and you're so sensitive to who we are and what we are going through it's so, Holy Spirit, we just invite you into the depths of where our heart has been a bit creased, where we need new life to come. And I thank you that your love is enough, that your presence is enough to take away all of the fear. Take away anything that would rob us of experiencing this new life. Thank you that your presence makes all the difference. So just help us as we sing now this last song together. Help us just to experience something of your presence speaking into our situation. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Amen.